Welcome to Consultants Without Borders. Today, the hosts are Dima, Yusuf, Sam, Miata, Esther, and me, Afkar. Today's topics are... Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, today's uh, topics are going to cover um, the current situation in the U.S. for international students, where um, if their university isn't covering um, in-class, uh, in-person classes, um, they have to leave. And then uh, that will transition into um, uh, visa situations for, um, uh, you know, execs, uh, student, uh, graduates, and so on. And for the list, uh, for the list segment, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, uh, three or more gigs that you would like to go in the, into in the future. Um, to get things started off, um, <clears throat> I'd like to hand over to uh, Esther to just better explain the topic. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so in brief, um, I think a few days ago, earlier this week, ICE announced that um, that universities that were not covering in-person classes in their full semester, wouldn't um, students at those universities would no longer allowed to be allowed to stay in the country, they're internationals. And so essentially gave universities like a nine day window to decide on their, um, on whether they'd be providing in-person classes, which for many, given the uncertainty around COVID, were either unsure or planning not to as preventative measures. And so we've seen kind of a, a variety of responses. We've seen kind of some universities look to or some speculations around kind of providing, you know, university-wide one-credit courses so that you can, so that international students can sign up to just to try and get them past that requirement. We've seen, I think it's Harvard and MIT that was filing some legal action um, against the ruling. And there's just been a, a lot of kind of shock and outrage because universities that have been asking for this kind of guidance for months were given a nine day window to, to, to make a decision. And so I think we're looking at, if we were in the situation of these universities, what would we do, how would we respond, um, given especially the time pressure. Um, you know what I saw actually, um, I'm not sure who the other university was, but it was N NYU and one other university. What they Columbia? did, I think it's, I think I know. maybe, maybe um, Columbia, I think it might have been two New York universities, so yeah, probably Columbia. Um, they created a one credit world studies class, just one credit, and it's an in person class. So basically, you don't have to go, and if you fail it, it's only one credit. No one's, it's not, it's not going to impact your score on the scale, scale of things on your entire degree. Do you know what I mean? So that's how they got around it. And I thought that was really smart. And it was kind of a huge fuck you to... <laughs> to I, I've seen that floated around social media, but has that actually been confirmed? Because... I, I, know, I obviously... Yeah, I seen it on... That's why I said I saw it on Twitter. But, um, well, I saw a screenshot of it. Because I haven't Did, seen it on Twitter. Didn't I send it in the group? I think... I, because I think a few people, have, a few universities have spoken about this here, but Afcon mentioned Berkeley as well. But the issue is that that could actually be illegal because one of the kind of provisions for international is you have to make sure that they're actually, um, it might basically be um, immigration, like illegal but by immigration law. Like you can't essentially, if you think about it, like the whole point, the, the reason that I think these, these ICE is trying to call in general any country immigration is trying to regulate, you know, how much students go to classes, etc. It's to ensure yeah. that they're actually studying as opposed to, you know, using their degrees as a proxy to come into the country and do other things. So there is some chance that that actual course could be illegal by those laws saying, hey, you actually, um, 
what's it called? Um, you're just enabling. enabling. Yeah. Like, you're enabling immigration fraud. So I don't know the legal, I don't really have the legal background to understand whether that's true or not, but that is also a risk factor. It is. Like NYU and for as well, they have made no statements about it. So I think it is just okay. yeah. probably can't, like they can't just hold the you know US law in contempt like that. It's, I don't think they're I mean if there's a loophole, there's a loophole, they could do it. But if if like you said, there isn't that loophole, if there are terms and conditions to the study, like for example, you have to check in. I know here in the UK, you uh international students had to do check in every two is it was it every two weeks i'm not it was it was uh, it was a termly check-in but i think now they've transitioned to uh attendance monitoring every class so oh so they're even checking if you're there now but that depends on like the university itself because i know i know that some people who never had this at their university so because our university who were like uh doing the check-in or like we were making the law themselves their which university. which university doesn't check in it's they legally have to do it don't they yeah but i don't know how they do it but when i ask people for example at reading or nottingham i'm like you go to these like visa check-ins they're like i i don't know what you're talking about uh, maybe maybe they don't have a check-in maybe they have to email someone or something i don't know i i I don't know how they do it, but I think, yeah, it's a legal obligation for the university to monitor their international students. So, I don't I'm going to go back to like the US because I think an interesting scenario to think of is like the do nothing because I feel like that's always an option, right? But in this case, obviously not <laughs> the least ideal one. Um, do, but do, you know, do you know what prompted, like, what's the main reason behind this law? Because if it's spreading diseases, they're already there. So, Worst case, they, they, they're taking it out. They're not, you know, making it worse in the country. Yeah, I saw a quick excerpt of an, in an interview with, the, I think, the director of the ICE. And his justification was that if the university is not providing in-person teaching, why does that student need to be in the country anyways? Right? If it's all going to be online, uh-huh. what I is mean, the reason? That, that's their, that is their rationale is if, 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 there's not, if there's no reason for you to be physically present in the U.S., then we don't need to grant your visa to be here. Um, obviously, there's like a lot of complications, especially now when people are like, I, I might not even literally be able to leave, like flights, yeah. I might be prevented from flying to a country by law. So, but that was their justification. So I think from the point of the university, if we're thinking about the do nothing, if you accept this, um, what, like, how do you think it would, do you think a lot of students would actually drop out? Or do you think a lot of people would, eventually leave like go back go back to a different or leave the country go elsewhere but still um still maintain their tuition like what how would you think because the first my first reaction was oh the economic impact would be ridiculous but actually if you've invested two years at let's say at a, at a university yeah. in the u.s what percentage of those people do you think um if we do like case study style what percentage of those people do you think would actually drop out or change their tuition? None, none of them like you paid 50k a year for two years so you've already committed 100 and you want this degree, like you're gonna finish it regardless if if it's in your country or wherever. Like I, I, the only people that might like get water, like thrown off is um, you know freshers, or um, what people might do, like if they have the time and money, is uh, defer like the year and then just come back when they can be in person. Because I've seen that as a solution where people like, oh, if I can't be here, then I'm not gonna do this year. I'm just gonna take a year out and then come back and do that year. 
and I see that especially happening if institutions are, you know, like Esther said, are going to do nothing but keep the same fees. You know, no university has come out and said, yeah, we're going to completely go virtual, but and we're going to receive by, yeah. So if they're not going to drop the fees, I see a lot of students going, well, why should I pay just as much to have less of the same product? I think actually the people who are in danger the most of this happening is the universities themselves. Uh, because as it stood before COVID, the, there, was, there was a prediction by a lot of people that universities would become redundant. Yeah. Because if you can learn everything online, as we've proven you can now, um, what, what is the purpose of university? There are online courses for everything these days. You can do everything online. You can learn how to code online. You can learn the basics of, of whatever you want online. Textbooks are available online. What is there's the point? Are, there's there's online unis as well. Accreditation, so like, that's the reason. How, like, like, universities will always be there. At the end of the day, it's like we were saying, it's the certificate. That's what I meant. Yeah, but like, certain... Learn so it online. Certain they, certificate. they don't care. Yeah, yeah but, but certain industries are becoming a lot more lenient towards that now. For example, like I said, the tech industry, they don't care. They don't yeah. care if you have a computer science degree or not. I, th I think Yusuf, Ivy League is going to be fine or like, you know, the top tier universities because their brand name and it's not their brand name. It's more, more of their alumni network. I think that has the greatest value. Like if you get into Harvard, you have access to all the people who went to Harvard kind of thing. Um, but like in terms of like actual knowledge and accreditation, like my dad's doing a master's in cybersecurity. He's doing it online. As soon as he gets it done, like, like it doesn't make a difference if he's studying it you know, in person or online. And, um, and he was saying like, there's no value in go like, there's no value in going and studying if I can work and do it at the same time and it's online and I can access it whenever I want. You're the same, you're the same universities will go redundant. But my point is, regardless if you can learn it online or not, at the end of the day, all that matters is that certificate you get, you get at the end. And I'll use an example. If I was going to project management role without, without a, 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 let's say, you know, I don't know if you know the um, Association of Project Management, PMQ. Yeah. Whilst yeah. like most of them, regardless if you know the methodology for the Association of Project Management and you've learned it yourself, if you don't have the qualification that's accredited by the APM, they, but, they don't care unless you have that accreditation. Yeah, yeah but these, these universities are. That's the point. The online universities are. No, but it's not even just the online universities. It's that you're right. It, it, Maybe the accreditation counts for something, but there are accreditations that, that are not degrees and are much cheaper than degrees and much cheaper than university, A. And B, like I said, with time, what we'll find is as less people start going to university and actually there becomes a, a deficit in those job roles, the people who are hiring will become a lot more lenient about that certification if there's no one like if there's no one that's done it and they need to fill those people they'll be like forget it don't worry about it the same thing has happened in tech before it used to be filled with computer scientists now they're like we'll take anyone because we have a deficit of of, of jobs we have a deficit of people working these jobs we don't care how you learned it just come and do the job i do feel like this is very sector dependent because for example i know that my company like i was having a conversation with someone more senior than me and at some point i said you know when I was applying to universities, you know, I thought, you know, when you're, when you're applying to universities, rankings matter so much. 
and then as soon as you enter universities it's something you almost entirely forget about and I said this and I, was like, I wish I'd been less focused I had a bit of an elitism in some sense I was like oh well, I need to go to this level of university because if, if you know because I, I need to be this this level of good quote unquote and I said actually like looking back that was a bit of a foolish way to see things and they said actually no you're not it wasn't because we only we only interview people who've been to the top 20 universities in the UK 20 or so whatever but I, I know that's my company but I think it's also very true of the sect like the, the sector that I work in and it's true of a lot of the industries that are I would say yeah I was gonna say maybe management consultancy specifically but I applied for consultancy roles where there were people from this is not to offend anyone who went to Middlesex <laughs> University but Middlesex University who applied people who applied to Deloitte with middle like these are top four companies do you know what I mean so okay maybe for your company specifically but I don't think you'll have a terrible time of it as long as you have a good degree finding a job in even management consultancy. It depends on the firm. I don't think it is sector dependent. I think it's specifically company dependent. First of all, ROP Middlesex University just shot some serious no, fire. No, I'm just saying it's not highly right. The facts are the facts. No offense. But I do think that in more industries... How badly are they ranked? I've no clue. Quite, quite, quite badly. Okay. I, do, I, do, I, I, do, I thought I do, you would know the numbers. It definitely depends on like, um, like you know, job, job, like companies changing their ways and companies hiring people with different things. And then maybe we'll see the change and kind of, you know, shift in the university dynamic. But I don't think in the short term we will see that. And again, like COVID-19 is, is, you know, there's a lot of hearsay, second wave, whatever. But, you know, end of 2021, everything would likely go back to normal. And everyone, there'd be that high demand again for international students and there'd be a lot of supply as well. And I also I think gonna, I'm no, not going to point out that like university, like we're also implying that universities only have like the education outfit. So for example, online courses or whatever. But like for some international students, it's just the experience of living abroad, right? Or the experience of getting to know different people. And you can't really do that uh, through an on I mean you can, but it's not the same through an online portal. I th yeah, yeah the, so, the networking aspect yeah. obviously is taken away. It, it, it is, but the thing is, is, is the networking aspect worth 50k? Yeah. Is it worth yeah. that much? <laughs> it, I, it, I, it, I, it, personally, I think even the 9k that I paid, it wasn't worth No, no, it, if, you, if you go to Harvard, like, the people you meet, like, yeah, look, you, gonna, you can ride that wave for the rest of your life. Generally speaking, for university, for example, there are people, there are international students that go to, I don't know, there are they exist there are there are international students at middlesex university they exist as well or teesside even teesside but also going to say would you say that that i don't know 20k is is worth it just to live in the uk for a little bit because i'm not gonna lie to you i love it here it's my home but it's not that great like it's not worth 20k it I think it also depends on people's means. Like, if you can afford it, if you have the money, yeah. some yeah. people do. Yeah. People yeah. have. But, but yeah. the thing is, is I think we're we're looking at it from an investment standpoint. Is are you getting a real return on your investment? I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends. Like, if, if, if I'm going to university in Bahrain, if I get a degree here, I'm never getting employed. Because they, they, if you get a degree here, you're limited to working here. And as a non-Arab, non-Bahraini student, 
they specify like you have to be an Arab to get the job. So like it's it's just like I can get a degree, but it's worth nothing. So, yeah. but that's I mean it, it's a problem. Don't get me wrong, but I was in that's more of. I don't know the standard of education in Bahrain. I, d- I don't think it's terrible, but um, I think that's an elitism thing more than anything. Yeah, but it it's is- not only Bahrain, though. It's not only Bahrain. I think, I think even I'm like... I'm to the Arab world, but, but I think... It's outside of the Arab world, though, Yada. Like, even, even probably a degree in, like, India. No, uh, with, you no know, degrees in India will get you far. That's the truth. Sorry. Depending on the Indonesians are rigorous. They are so much harder than us. I have been. I have visited universities in know, but what would Yeah, but it's so much harder to get into, though. Yeah, but that's my point, though. Like, what would give you the head start is what I'm thinking. I'm not saying the bad university. I'm saying that the British degree, though, is likely to give you... And, and especially, like, Indian employees or whatever country, those employees would see a British degree and they tend to... They tend to kind of have that thought where, you know what, that's a better candidate almost immediately. I think that's true of a lot of countries, not India. I have a friend who was applied to Cambridge because she was like, applying to India was too tough. It's so competitive. It's okay, that's a population issue. I feel like Esther, it's it's competitive, but like the value of a UK degree in India or like an Asian country still holds. It's just India, it's very hard because it's so many people applying for that same seat. Population issue, that's what I think. Same but, with even China as well. China like have some amazing universities as well. They do. But again, it's a population issue. That's, you know, with the, with the, with the, it, it, it's a population issue, but, but the point still stands is that their university, they, they hold their degrees. Do you know what I mean? As in like, they don't disregard an Indian degree. If you went to a really good Indian university, Indian people will have okay, would it hold? Answer, answer, answer this though. And I, I don't I don't actually know, but would it hold I can't speak for the in America UK. or in the UK? I can't speak for them, but Indian degrees will hold most almost everywhere else. But not but wait, the Western world as well. If That's a good question there. That's wait, like, but why would you the thing is 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 this, yeah? If you if your intention was always to live in India. Why? Why would you care whether your degree holds in the UK or America? I don't, I don't, I, international I, I, students I come here to study and then go home. They want to work at home. So not if all they, of them. Not all no, of them. No, but that, that in, in that case, there's there's value, obviously. Like if you're coming to get into the country, then yeah, obviously, like paying twenty k, it, it is what it is. You're getting education and you're getting a chance to um, live in the country, like uh, on a more permanent basis. And if we pivot back a bit to like the original point around the universities, I think we talked, we've been talking a lot about kind of the undergraduate experience. If a university adopts this do nothing scenario, what do you think the impact would be more that on their graduate students? You know, a lot of them might be working on research, they might have grants. And so suddenly all the people doing their work might, if, is, you know, is that not in person? That might be, it might actually be lab based and require impact, you know, might require them to be in person. Kind of what would the impact be for on more on the graduate student side? Because that's a little bit murkier in yeah, terms of how do you define what having in-person classes? But also, it, again, it, let's assume that the labs and all these are in-person in-person classes. Again, if you stop that for international postgrads, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, this university stands more to Suffers, lose. Yeah. Because universities, yeah, they get a lot from us as undergrads, but actually, most of their funding comes from their postgrads. Most of the 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 grants they win, most of these things come from research that postgrads do. So if they are going to now do this to postgrads as well, again, they stand more to lose than the students do. So what would you like? What would your response be if you were the university and you were facing this challenge? How would you think you'd try and approach it in terms of 
holding on to those those I, graduates. I think the only the only way is to create in person some in person classes. Reduce the amount of in person classes that you're gonna gonna make. You you can stutter it as well because I think it's Princeton. I, 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 yeah, it was Princeton that's doing um kind of if you come in fall, you you don't have to come in spring and vice versa kind of thing where they're like staggering uh, terms. I don't know if that means you have to leave in spring if you're an international student, but maybe what you can do is instead of having your, you know, 100% of your classes online, maybe you have 20%, like have one module you can choose that you have in person, which kind of reduces... Uh, your your likelihood of, yeah. of spreading disease or contracting disease. Yeah, so you'd have to go in, your, your contact hours would be reduced, essentially. You'd three hours a week maybe, perhaps less. Um, but create the in-person class, make it so that these students, that they can, they can exploit the loophole essentially and actually stay in the country. Because like I said- I think what we've seen is a lot of people are, for the classes that are in-person, um, you know, because of how quickly it all changed, everyone was scrambling and a lot of these classes were already oversubscribed. Yeah. So what happened is you kind of made these classes because it, it mean it's not you know creating a curriculum and putting a class on your online system is not at the click of a button. Yeah. It takes some time. Yeah. So let's say you found yourself in a situation where you had in-person classes, they've all been filled up. Kind of what do you see as a, as, as a next move then? Uh, I also think one of the things that we probably aren't thinking about or taking a look at is by by ICE doing this and essentially saying that. The only reason, the only way international students can be here is if they have these in-person classes. You're essentially creating a system where if a, if a university hasn't thought about how they're going to hold these classes in order to kind of reduce the spread of COVID, you now just have a bunch of students in a class and all it takes is one person to be infected for it to spread. And they're all you know, international students as well. So and they're like, all international but, students. But let's, so, let's be and, honest, though. I don't think America actually gives a shit about the transmission yeah. of COVID. They they don't mean, I mean, we, we've been knowing. We've been knowing. But, but. They're pretty much on their way to, even though they are literally one of the worst rates of transmission in the world, bar us in the UK, <laughs> um, they're literally opening everything up again. Literally, yeah. they, don't, they don't give a shit. Like... They're not tracking, even though their population is huge. They're not. They're not providing health insurance for for people. They're not doing anything that's remotely useful to stopping the spread of this disease. They don't care. They actually don't care. Capitalism is king in America. So, <laughs> you I mean, it, it, it also it's, it's also an issue of um, it's kind of highlighting that international students really don't have um, representation, like legal representation, and the mm. UK as well. Like they continue to like raise the fees and we can't really, like when we were there, like you can't really say anything. And then- Without warning as well. They, will, they just do it. They just go, yeah, by the way, this year, your fees No, no, we got a warning every year, 5%, but like, no, <laughs> you just know. There's some universities that will raise it above the 5%. They'll go, oh, by the way, here's, it's, it's an extra this much now, yeah. by the way. So like, I think if anything good, good comes out of this, maybe some sort of like, a brand set up for like representation for you like international students just so that they're not completely exploited but i doubt it i don't think so this, this universities profit off exploiting international students i'm really sorry to say it but no it is um where was it i was taking a look at some stats and um in the us so 2015 the it was 35 billion us dollars 
um, for the, I can't, I think it was to, top 150 unis or something like that. So the money is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I was also um, reading something on, I can't remember the exact numbers now, but like since uh, 1975, um, the, the university like uh, teaching um, number of teachers and then the number, like the, uh, salary for the teachers pretty much stayed constant, but the number of students in the uni has increased and the cost has increased somehow. So like the universities, universities are spending more money on administration and like recruitment and stuff like that, which I think again is like straying away from the quality of the education kind of thing. So it's another thing that if everything's going online, it's exposing is why do you actually need the money? Because that's probably why, I mean, obviously profit, but the other thing is you do have your cost. That's why you're keeping that 50K um, price margin. So a lot of things being exposed. Uh, you do feel bad for these kids, but at the same time, you don't have a right to live in the country because it's not your country. So I, I listen, I hear you in terms of not having the right to live in a country because it's not your country. Though, um, okay. But does, does that mean that you are allowed to be exploited? Like, no, I'm saying I feel bad, but at the same time, like, you, the Esther's point was, um, if you don't have any classes here, what's the reason for you to stay? Like, go back and study online in your home country. Okay. I can understand that point. I hear you. And like you guys said, if you're already halfway through the degree or two-thirds of the way through the degree, of course you're going to go do that. Without a doubt, you're going to mm. finish the degree. However, like you said, if I'm now applying to universities, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to pay 50k yeah. to study in my house. That's just yeah. not going to happen. I would not do that. And if you do, you've got more money than sense, to be honest with you. Like, what, what would possess you? Like, why don't I just take a Udemy class? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference? I think as well that the thing is, is that especially for those that have already started, is that you were promised an experience yeah. and that experience has now changed. It's not necessarily you say oh, X is worth X. It's more that, especially like if I were to go on the, on the websites of all these kind of top tier universities, they would sell me, you're going to live on our gorgeous grounds. You're going to walk these hallowed halls. You're going to be able to join these sports teams and et cetera and et cetera. So you're paying the same amount of money for contract, but they've changed the terms. Yeah. I think that's the point where I'd say, you do have a right because you are no longer receiving the services which you agreed to when you began. And it's yeah. the same for here, actually. There was a point where UK universities, specifically, I think for humanities subjects um, or social science subjects, the, the university lecturers were on strike for a semester, not a few weeks, a whole yeah. semester. They were out. And I was like, legally, over two years. have a contract. Sorry? They did it, they did it again. Oh, this yeah, year. over two years. Over two years, so that's uh, uh, over a three-year degree. That's two semesters that you haven't been able to attend lectures. Any of them, technically speaking, like you said, if we have a contract, which I believe university is a like it's, it's a contract, I'm entitled to some of my money back because you have not upheld the terms of the contract. That's if not all of it. Actually, by law, if you break the terms of a contract, I'm entitled to all my money back. But so, that's yeah, saying, are you saying you would so if you were on that humanist degree, would you have turned around and sued the university? Yeah. I I think if I had grounds to, of course. If I had grounds to take the university to court and get some of my money back, of course I would. The thing is for me, it's a bit techy because obviously I I pay via student loan. 
So it's not even my money. <laughs> it's I mean, it's not money. Money. Yeah, it is, but I'm probably paying that. Can you imagine suing for the government's behalf being like, based <laughs> <laughs> on your money? Company. Yeah, it's true. I just, yeah. But if I'm an international student and I'm paying 20K, you are damn straight I am taking the university to court. Of course I am. Why would I not? I don't, I don't think we have a lot of legal, like, <laughs> rights. I mean... You make it sound worse than it is, Africa. You you can get legal legal representation and everything. Like they will they will like you know listen to you. <laughs> and like, it's, it's gonna not- cost me like it's gonna cost me more, and I'm not gonna get an education. Whereas you guys will be in the country at the end of the day. Like no, if, if, if I if I if I start taking like bath to like court, like they can just revoke my like uh, you know. They visa. Can just, yeah, visa and stuff. Like because it's it's on them. They can't do anything can't do while that. the legal proceedings are, are ongoing. And if you win, actually, they have to pay your legal fees. So exactly. you can't use anything if you won. If you have a case. And, yeah. It's but again, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't even, you know, recommend taking any university, you know, any university or institution to court anyway in the first place. But yeah, that's my point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm saying you're within your rights too. If you if you felt like you were being hard done by it, because two semesters out of a potential six, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And if we think of kind of the American universities, kind of, I'm not sure this will be like the final point for um, trying to retain the highest number of undergraduates they can to have the least amount of dropouts. What do you think they would do? <laughs> like a marketing campaign? Like this degree is still worth it. <laughs> I think at this point, you just kind of have to re sort of as, as the financial side of the university, you have to renegotiate where your main income is coming from now, because like I said, I'm a first year international student. I'm not paying 50, I'm not paying 50 K for an on- online class. So you need to rethink how you're going to do things in terms of how you're going to. So wait, so let's, talk, let's talk speculation on like, you know, and we'll try to end this. Um, like in terms of speculation, so what do you guys actually think then would happen to, you know, I'm talking big picture in terms of numbers for freshers kind of coming into, international freshers coming into universities. Do you think we would see as a whole numbers drop massively? I think, uh, I think not because of this, but it's more about job prospects. Numbers are going to dip because people realize that once you do graduate, like in the next two, three years, there's, there isn't like 100% certainty that you can get a job while all this is going on. I think that's a big, more big, big deterrent than uh, anything else. Like personally, like from the people I've been talking to and then like also myself, like if, if I was considering a master's, like I'm not going to do it knowing that like when I come back, I'll still be like, you know, I won't be able to get a job there. So what's the point? Kind of thing. You won't get a return on your investment then there's no yeah. point basically. All right. Anyone else? I think we've oh, come to that. I just did a quick Google. You know that out of Harvard's like income, only twenty-two percent of it is actually from tuition. Oh, they have no, they no, have no, endowments. Yeah, it's like it's over thirty percent from the endowment, which I find is wild. Like I would have thought, like sixty percent of that income was from tuition. They have a forty billion like pound uh, reserve in an yeah. endowment, an endowment reserve, which wow. is ridiculous. Like it's that, more, more than some some economy like GDPs of some economies and like it's ridiculous. Yeah, so they have thirty five percent comes from the endowment, twenty two percent from education slash tuition, seventeen percent from research, eight percent from 
gifts for current use <laughs> and then 18 percent from other can we clarify is endowment mean basically the alumni yeah. donating funding okay Okay. No, I don't think it is, is that it. I thought it was also like I thought they have some like financial activity as well. I thought didn't they invest? They have an investment branch as well. That is absolutely wild. That is absolutely wild because universities are meant to be non-profit. <laughs> but the they are. If, what's a gift then? If an endowment, if if people donating is endowment, I think so gifts for other use. If you so, I've, for example, our university, if we are like if. They call us the alumni and go, "Hey, you can donate anything you want, ten pounds, twenty pounds, on a recurring Zero monthly." Yeah. If now I go to the university and go, "Hey, put this building up in my name," that's a gift. That would oh, be right. a gift. Zero pounds for the next six years. <laughs> so, recurring. Yeah. But that is absolutely wild. That most of their income isn't even tuition fees. So they can mm. afford to tuition fees altogether and just make it free. I think that's because it's Harvard that was it, Exactly, about. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, think, it makes sense because even, I think there, the elite universities in the States, if you have the grades, they'll just pay your entire thing. They can afford to give out scholarships willy-nilly, whereas we don't do But that they either. don't. Uh, they give not, out a lot of scholarships. They, they, they do a lot. Like it's not like people still pay for it. Like I took a look at the thing. Like it, it they still pay for it. Like um, I had a look at Bath. <laughs> just look at, at something we know. So at Bath, um, it doesn't have percentages, but I'd say over fifty percent from tuition. So this is in million, like absolute. One hundred and seventy million from tuition, thirty-five million from grants, forty million of research, forty million from residences retail and catering <laughs> and nine million donations and 16 million in others so definitely i mean there's a pie chart and over half the pie is mm. from tuition okay shouldn't that be the case though like do you want yeah. universities like making money elsewhere because I suppose, well, if, if if your student enough students suddenly disappearing you kind of do no no because, no no but like just fundamentally like if you're a university and you're making money elsewhere maybe you're going to focus less on your students and whoever is bringing in more money. It's true. If, if, if your main income, yeah, if your source of revenue is us, then you, you're, well, that being said, oh, I think that's, is that what you were saying? Yeah, I was like, well, in the last couple of years. I don't know about that one. They were the, we were their main source of income and they still screwed us over, so. Because I remember the year, the, year, the year we started, the year prior, they had been, they had won, you know, Best university for satisfaction, twice yeah. in a row. And yeah, twice in a row, and then suddenly got a bit too big for their boots. Yeah. And, uh... I, I find don't think they'll that again. <laughs> I actually don't think they will. I think it's quite funny that the university makes as much from research as it does from residences, retail, and catering. <laughs> That's wild. I'm not surprised, man, to be honest. I, like, yeah, it's extortionate. You look, you look at kind of all the restaurants and everything that they have, like... It didn't have that many, then. It wasn't like it was, like, running a huge operation. I, I, I think it's more rent. I think it's more rent. For chips, they charged us three quid. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> we move on to the next topic? Yeah, Sam, <laughs> Sam, do you want to transition us to the next bit, please? Yeah, so kind of staying on uh, Im immigration and, and, and visas um, from the ICE. Uh, so I'm not sure if you guys heard, but two weeks ago, Trump kind of 
put out an, an executive order to restrict the number um, of supply of L1 and H1B visas. So uh, just to give you a bit of information, so an L1 visa essentially allows um, an international, basically an international company to, if we, if we, an international company, let's say they have, they have someone in the UK to transfer someone from the UK to the US to do the same job. Um, and then a H-1B visa is for like really highly skilled workers. So he essentially halved it, um, the amount of uh, the, the numbers that, that could be supplied. And his reasoning was because he felt that um, the, the, the visa program was being abused. And during this time, he wanted um, companies to kind of favor American workers. So yeah. So what, uh, anyone want to jump right in and, and let us, Miata just looks like she's itching to just. I mean, but before. What do we do? What's the question? What are we actually? What's the question what, around? What are your thoughts? Is the question. Yeah. What are your thoughts? And you know what? What impact do you think this will have on on the economy? Right? I mean, my and, two, and two. Do you just think this is a bit of a? You know, let's be honest. It's twenty twenty. It's a. It's a um, political move. Yeah. It's a. It's a election. You know, it's a election year. year. It's an I, I, I think it's so. I think so. I, I was going to say, I think it's a bit of a scapegoat, to be honest with you. And it's, like you said, an election tactic more than anything. Because, like I said, the American government doesn't give a shit about American people. And that has become abundantly clear over the past, my lifetime. Yeah. yeah uh, but honestly, like I said, I'm in two minds about it. Low key, I think most, most countries should favour the people that live there. Like, you should hire people who are from the country before you choose to hire people from abroad. Was that it's not like, the case anywhere? Like, being yeah, international, like, I know the UK does it. So just to... to that's to, that's just, what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, if I've lived and grown up here, I don't have very many choices. Like, do you know what I mean? So you've, you've migrated here. You have the choice to work here as an international or back home. I don't have that choice. I've stayed here my entire life. I haven't migrated anywhere else. And technically, like I said, if I'm part of this population and I contribute, well, taxes and I've done, et cetera, et cetera, not that you don't if you start working here as an international, then, yeah, I would expect to be favoured over someone who's not from here. That's the truth. However, that being said, like you were saying, specifically, I think you said for the tech industry, if there's a deficit, that's a deficit. Like, what am I going to do? Then they're, they're, the people here are not qualified for that job. I need someone for this job. I need to run my company. So, but I think, I think, like I said, the, the move was more political than anything. I don't think it was for any other good reason, apart from just to boost numbers for his next election. Well, if my understanding is not incorrect, um, this doesn't actually stop the companies from bringing in workers. It just makes them more difficult from a visa perspective. Because I know for the H-1B, they were temporary visas. So it just meant that people could probably come, it was less, um, less of a bureaucratic process to get people to move to the US. I don't think it actually stop. I'm, I don't actually know. So the, the H1B the H1, so visa um, is typically used for like um, executives. So execs. So you might have, you might bring in a, an exec from another part of, you know, the world to, you know, be an exec for your company. Um, it takes typically three to six months to, um, for the whole process to run. However, you can expedite the process by uh, paying one thousand two hundred and 
fifty euros, no, not euros, dollars. Um, you can pay. You can pay that amount to expedite the entire process and get a reply within your um, twelve to fifteen days. And if uh, you don't get a reply, they have to return your money. Nice. I think it's interesting because it's at the exact level, which means it's not like a graduate pool where, like, let's favor you know homegrown talent. This is and this like this role is in, like highly skilled, like very few people who can probably occupy this role. So it probably is like you need to bring in someone from another part of the company, from somewhere else or from outside the country. So cutting like the visa doesn't, it doesn't mean like you can find someone like, you know, in your own country because it's still a very um, hard position to fill. So I think that's, it would make sense at a graduate level to cut visas and be like, you know what, favor more local students or local, local graduates. And that would be understandable, but yeah. At an exact level, it, it doesn't really, you know, hold yeah, up. I agree with you. Bit. I agree with you. And actually, like I said, he'd be doing the country more of a disservice because if you can't find people to do those jobs, it slows down the operation. If it slows down the operation, the company makes less money. They're less likely to hire people from, from the what's it called anyway, the, the country anyway. So like, it's just, it's kind of redundant. I think, wait, so I think my next question is, what do you, what, what sort of impact do you think this will have on, on the economy? I don't think it will, right? Because if, again, it's just, if it's just a bit more of a loophole, it seems like the only difficulty will mean that from the point of view of the companies that are um, filing for these visas, they just have to jump through more hoops and go through more kind of administrative processes to get their people across. So the companies may have slightly less flexibility, but I still think that if they need a highly skilled worker to occupy a certain position, they're going to um, go about it. Also, I think the definition of highly skilled, because you keep talking about execs, um, and I, like I don't actually know the study that that's execs because I have just this chart because I got emailed this and there's this company called Charter Daily which has like a newsletter with some like data facts and this was one of them a few weeks ago, and so they mapped out for the past the, t- the companies that have had the most filings, the top twenty of them, um, the average salary of the person who's kind of been on this H1B visa is $105,000, which obviously is very generous, but it's not exact level. This is not yeah. like, this is not C-suite that we're talking about. It's so it's not exactly level, yeah. like, yeah. it might yeah. not be, you know, this is this could be someone that you could find domestically in the US. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's highly, I think it's highly skilled, not not exact. Like from what I read as well, I think it was like highly skilled or like very niche roles. Um, yeah. Which again, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. Then, that's still very hard to find, isn't it? Depending on depending on the industry, I don't. I I kind of semi agree with Amesta. I think in some like some of the roles, especially like how she used the hundred five k example. I think I don't. You know, I, I don't think you're that hard pressed to find um, locally. And this is slightly off um, off the whole finding someone for a hundred and five k or whatever. But I think also I don't really believe that this will become a thing uh as in i think it's just showboating it's a a much to do about nothing kind of thing Uh, they're saying it to say it i don't think it's actually a thing because a lot of huge corporations in america have ties and links in government and congress so actually all they have to do is call their friend in congress and go hey i need a favor and then that string will be pulled so i'm not entirely certain that this is even a thing to be honest 
I also I I also wanted to mention that as much as we we go right, um, you know, American workers, you know, can fill those roles. For a company to decide that actually, you know, you know what, we're gonna go to another company to find someone to fill this role in and do all the admin and pay for the visa and probably also pay them more than they would for their home country. You know, if you're if you're gonna pay me, you know, 20, 25k to be in the UK, you're probably gonna need to pay me significantly more for me to move all the way to the US. So the company is incurring a massive cost to do this. Yeah. So it you know, for them to be doing this, I, I don't think it's just a shortfall of American workers. Like, I think it is really a shortfall of American workers. They don't have the skills necessary to fill those positions. So that's why they're going like elsewhere. I mean, th- does the law kind of, or does the executive order encourage training more local people? So picking up being like, you know what, like you're not going to be the best person for the job now, but we like trying to focus your kind of HR energy and HR money into developing local people. It's obviously going to mean like in terms of, um, you know, business output, not the best for the next few years, but you know, 15, 20 years down the line, all your execs are, you know, us, us born. Whereas if you leave it as it is, then, you know, nothing changes. I think the way it's going right now, in general, um, because the amount of people being educated is increasing. I don't know. I can't speak for the US in general. It's increasing. They're, that probably that tide is changing anyway. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think for in order for things to change, you're, you have to do this. You have yeah, yeah. Ha- unfortunately, you have to have a bit of a loss period, and that's even when you're employing someone new, you're always going to have a bit of a loss period where they're not that productive because they're trying to learn the way things work. So yeah, you will, you will incur a loss period if you do that, but the payoff will be nice because now you'll have this person who will probably stay in your company for longer, as opposed to someone who's international who will eventually probably want to go home. I don't think that's true, but okay. I think people who have come from abroad will want to go home eventually. Not, not like it's it's still gonna be worth it. Like, I'm not gonna personally speaking, or like my like people I know, we all we're all still here. Like, we came here to Bahrain, and we're all here. Like, no one leaves like just like that. Like, unless you're maybe like an entry level, but like most people don't leave when they come. My my understanding of the visa was that it was temporary, so I I figured that they they didn't stay. Okay, I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying like as an international experience, like if you get a job, like in a country, like, you know, Western country or like abroad, like most of the time you don't leave because there's a reason why you left your home country in the first place. Yeah. And you, and they, they give them, they do give them green cards actually, I should mention. So they are allowed to stay once. Indefinitely once they yeah, start. Once they, yeah. Once they okay. start. Okay. Well, that's fair. So another, 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 um, thing to discuss on it is that certain professors have actually investigated um, so I'm going to stick with H1B because I can find more data and information on it um, they've actually you know investigated the H1B um, visa and said that it's kind of a way to kind of depress um, the market in terms of how much you pay staff because it's cheaper to it's typically cheaper to find um, labor elsewhere and hire them in mm-hmm. so you know 
the question is that actually, as much as we also think this is a political ploy, does it overall kind of help the American American economy by, right, you've got to hire American workers and you've got to pay them quote unquote American wages and therefore, you know, the tax implications, now you've got more people who have more disposable, disposable income to spend on the economy and right. so on. How is it cheaper? Like in what sense is it cheaper to hire someone from outside? If you so think about like the equivalent generally, like for, I, I know from my company and from another company I've worked at for most, the equivalent salary, graduate salary in the US versus the UK is significantly higher. So if you're having someone, if you, if you have an expat come do temporary work in the US, they're going to probably get paid their the UK salary get paid in their home okay. country. You, they might get some bonuses from like, you know, living costs, et cetera, but their salary probably won't increase. Wait, so okay. you saying someone less maybe to do the same one? Higher than the US, is that what you said? Lower. No, US is higher. Lower. US is higher. Yeah. Neha, when she was on Conman in India, she met people who worked at other people who worked at EY. There was a girl who worked in HR who earned 144,000 pounds, well, dollars, their equivalent. She lives in New York. And she's HR. She's not she's not a financial services person, she's HR. And she earns 144,000 yeah, pounds. Not okay. that senior. Not that senior. I think especially if you're comparing like London, the US is huge, but if you're comparing like London salaries to New York salaries, yeah. Yeah. that's true. Because like cost the cost of living, of living in the US in, in a city like New York is so high and they have things like healthcare. I, someone in my company who works in, in an office in the US, he pays almost 10 grand a year in healthcare. Like Ooh. that, and that's something that we get for free. Yeah. Like that's, that's just how exactly. we get that for free, right? So they have, and when you think about it, the debt that they're going into the job market with is a lot higher as well. Like yeah. if you've been paying 40K of tuition for four years compared to 9K, yeah, you've yeah. been- 9K, they're not chasing us for it. Whereas their student loan is a real loan. Like people will come and knock on your door. They'll send bailiffs. Yeah. They don't look. So for equivalent <laughs> jobs kind of in London to New York, um, often you get paid like a lot higher in, in New York. Which is fair enough because you, I mean, it, it cost, your costs kind of equal out, I guess. Yeah. I mean, still no, but yeah. As in 144K compared to 40. It's still, still quite a significant job. I mean, I dip, how much are you saving? <laughs> I don't I mean, know can't be saving that much. I mean, it's just flights, maybe accommodation, maybe a small pay. Like I know most companies give you like a 10% pay rise when you have to work abroad or outside of like a specific mine, like from your base location, home base. They expense everything though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All my food as well. They, they expense everything if you're not at home, to be fair. Your accommodation and your food, they expense it. Yeah, but even that is limited. It's not like unlimited expenses. Like it's it's like maybe twenty dollars for dinner, something silly like that. It, it won't be twenty pounds at least. I don't know about dollars, but I, I, I don't know. What are you planning to spend, Yusuf? Jeez, <laughs> twenty pounds is okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might not eat like me. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, it depends on the sector as well. So so some people are a lot more generous with it than others. So I know some people who their their cap was like 40 quid and no matter where you are 40 quid is a lot of money for a meal do you know what i mean unless you're in like iceland i don't know these men they 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 pay like eight pound for a beer apparently or something like that so 
but I, I, you know, I don't think like I don't think that hun like the HR water, you know, the one that the example Miata mentioned is a good like representation. I don't think you'd see that substantial of a pay rise from from like New York to London. Surely it can't be that large, and I I don't know, but I'm, like, it, but it is, but it is. If I you know, like what what's the you know what's the difference? What's the difference? Hey, what's the average pay of a HR person here? No, 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 I'm just talking, let's say the same role, okay, any, any role it can be, I don't know, but, you know, what would be the difference between that same role in, the US, in New York, let's say, and London? What, what would actually be the difference in numbers? What I will say is, um, listen, I don't know what the difference is. What I will say is that um, even I've seen, like, YouTube videos of people, graduates straight out of university, say they earn above 100K. So I don't know about here but i feel like that's just kind of a one-off here if you earn above 100k i've seen Rarely, a few yeah. Yeah. yeah i've seen a few videos of american students graduating in school jobs and earning above 100 whereas here that's that's kind of a it's very okay rare. so i've got I've got, I've, I've got an example for you so there's a specific company in mind data science role in the uk average salary is 52 in the us same company average salary is 117,000. Yeah. From my personal experience, kind of the company I worked at on placement, the starting salary in the UK was around 40k. The starting salary in the US was about hundred thousand dollars. And for the company I work at now, the starting salary again is around around the 40k mark, and then the US was like the 90k mark. The jump is significant. It is Yusuf is like, no, like, I need like, to go away to the US. Yusuf is like, I'm an H1B visa right now. <laughs> you have to bear in mind that New York is not even one of the most expensive cities in New in the US. So if you work in San Fran, San Fran. Oh, yeah. San Fran is your, your, your pay is more. Yeah, I've like heard people on 150K in San Fran be like, oh, I, I, like, I barely make anything. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? Imagine. Like, obviously, if you work in, like, places like, I don't know, Texas, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure what the pay is, but I think perhaps it will be less. But if you work in major cities where the cost of living is generally quite high, to be honest with you, like, like Afghan was saying, 100K in San Francisco won't even go far. It won't even take you that far. They're working, like, second jobs. I'm like, why? What are you doing? And you, and you also... And you you also have to you also have to remember that like America isn't like the UK. Every state is a little bit different with their like different rules, and every and different states have um, have different types of workers. So you know when you in San Fran you have massive like that you know. Are you okay, yeah. Esther? So, so, I just googled it. The average sal the average salary in San Francisco is ninety seven thousand dollars. Are you shocked? No, but are you shocked? No. I, am I shocked or am I sure? Because I'm not sure, but I am. No, but say sure. Are you shocked? Yes. San Francisco is one of the most expensive cities in the entire world. I think you also have a lot of like very. I think the outliers are the top. Yeah. End I mean, you have your tech Silicon people Valley. with like people work in Silicon Valley. Uh, like no, that's where all the venture capitalists are. It's, I was when I was in New Zealand, when I was in Auckland, Auckland was rated the fourth least affordable city to, to live in. And even then the average salary was like about the same as London, maybe a little bit more. That's not, that's not but but London is also quite unaffordable, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Pardon? I said London's but London is also quite unaffordable, but it's not quite as unaffordable as those cities, to be honest. 
Like, yes, London is. But that's what I'm saying. Like for the like for the difference as well, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for how large that pay is. Surely they don't pay too much for that small difference. I, I, maybe 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 these places really are that expensive to live in. Like, I, I, do, I think the main difference is healthcare. To me, it's probably like, health, like yeah, you get sick. The most the main difference is healthcare. Healthcare in the US is extremely expensive. And taxes as well. Like, Their taxes are less than ours. We pay more. At which depending state, state? Depending on the state, yeah. But uh, generally speaking, we pay more taxes than them, like on average. And we get paid less. <laughs> It'd be like that. But we get free healthcare. Shit, it may be, but we get it. Cool. Um, anything to add to this point before we move on? No, I think that, uh, that's a good end to the topic. Cool. I think the last thing would, would have been, um, so the, the point about it's actually cheaper to uh, bring Hair someone out. in yeah. kind of goes against the kind of, if, if you have a capitalist system, right, and everything is based on supply and demand, then it, you're kind of going against the core of your country's principle by essentially going against the core of, you know, that, that capitalist system that you live on, which is that, you know, the market should be able to dictate, you know, what the, the average salary of a job is based on, you know, the supply of workers worldwide. Um, yeah. You guys, yeah. Do you guys think the, the law is unfair? Which law? The, the, the exact order? Yeah. Uh, because I, I don't, don't I feel like it's... I don't know. That's your the thing. country. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I think it depends on what perspective you're looking at from... From the people of America's perspective, no. From the company's perspective, perhaps. Because it's like, if I have just a bunch of unskilled people, what am I going to do? I, I, this, I'm, I'm working with what I have, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's both, not that I'll ever stick up for corporations, because let's face it, you know what? They, they don't give a shit about Shortly it. Shortly cutting like, the amount of visas available in half, what it does is, the rich and powerful companies are going to get all these hires and then like the small and medium companies at exec levels who are planning on bringing in people now have to like develop homegrown talent so which yeah. i don't see as a bad they thing have to develop home, home, no but these middle wait wait no it is a bad thing, that is a bad thing. <laughs> the middle and small ones can cannot afford to to do that the bigger ones can so these middle and small ones will put money and time <laughs> into making these people, making these these skilled workers to then come and get robbed by the bigger companies anyway. No, so that's what, yeah. that's what Google does, essentially. Yeah. Google waits for you. Google and these big tech companies wait for you to become more established and better at your job. And then they go, by the way, here's 150K, come work for us. Yeah. So essentially, no, you're robbing medium and small companies of their livelihoods. So no, it's not a good thing for them at all. For big corps, yeah. But big corps are already winning, so what do they need it for? I don't know. I, 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 it, I, I feel like it's, it, it's. This is how it is anyway. But like, it's not ma- making a huge difference. No, you know what I mean. Like the ha- cutting in half, it's only really affecting the bottom end, which it's always been the case. Do you know what I? I think, I don't know how America's economy works. So for the UK economy, we rely a lot on small businesses to thrive. 
Yeah. I don't think they do in the US. I think the bigger companies is where most of their economy comes from. So they don't give a shit. It's trickle-down economics, as they would say. So I, <laughs> Which I is stupid, know. but okay. Okay, cool. Um, we're going to transition to the last section uh, of this podcast, which is the list segment. Um, Dima, do you want to introduce the list segment? Sure. So this week's uh, list segment is uh, if what are your top three uh, gigs that you'd like to go to? I think we're keeping it musical or any gigs? Any gigs. As long as it's uh, still possible. So nothing like Michael Jackson or any of that stuff. Yeah, he, was, he was saying people who are still alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can start. Uh, I really want to go to a Coldplay concert. Um, Basic. Okay, I don't mind being basic. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what was the name? Uh, I it was like so much better than I thought it was going to be. And I, had, I mean, I had pretty high expectations, but it was like, I think Coldplay is like the exact right vibe for a concert because there's some people who are amazing at performing, but actually they're just performers and you need to watch. Whereas Coldplay is like this type of music where you can like jump around and have a good time. Uh, my next one would be uh, Dua Lipa because I just want to. Nice. <laughs> okay. And, oh, I want to go to this Arabic one called Karaoke. Yes. Okay. Only three? Or do you have any more? We said three. Okay. Said yeah. I, I, I technically know. didn't, but okay. Do you know Okay. <laughs> Yusuf? Can I go last? Because I, I, I just haven't thought of anything yet. <laughs> Okay. That's a sigh of disappointment, by the way. Um, Esther? Yeah, I'm also struggling. I'm thinking about it now. I haven't thought about it much. Fine, I'll go next. <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just saying I, I did give it a quick thought. Um, I would want to see the NBA finals once in my life. It's, it's an event, it's a gig. Like, I, I want to go. It's music. No, we we said anything. Oh, so any live event? Yeah. Oh, so like hundred meter sprint at the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, let me let me finish mine. A <laughs> hundred meter sprint is pretty good though. Like, I would like to see. It. But Usain Bolt's not there anymore, so I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah. So the NBA Finals, I'd like to see Kendrick Lamar again. I think that was pretty good. Um, and then um, I would probably like. I know they don't do any, do it anymore, but like. Eminem, 50 Cent, and Dr. Dre. Like, I've seen, like, YouTube clips of their concerts, and it looks lit. So, like, if they do, like, hopefully they do an event, and then I go see it. Eminem came to Dubai in, like, November last year. Really? Did he do, a, did he do th- an event? Or did he just, like... Did I go? No, I didn't go. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I heard him and 50 Cent, like, they're great, like, live, live performance. Uh, their, their performance is amazing. I know Beyonce is apparently great as well, but like. I will, I've seen Beyonce live and she's like, I think one of the world's best performers. But like I said oh. earlier, she's someone you want to watch, not someone you want to like. It's not about the crowd or the it's experience. Like, yeah. It's literally just like, you want to be sad there with your eyes peeled. So, yeah. which I guess normally to me, when I go to a concert, it's almost like you're going for the atmosphere, yeah. which yeah. you don't have that as much just because like, why would you, why would you like stand, jump around when you could be watching Beyonce, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's still an experience. And I think I heard that Adele, again, is pretty good live as well. But, like, 
I, but I'm going to list it, uh, stick to these three because these three mean more to me. Wow, you've knocked down one of mine's. Which is what? Eminem? Uh, no, no. Um, you said Adele, so now I have to rethink. No, no, my I'm list. not going to Adele. No, I, I want to now. That's it. Hey. My list. And I have to rethink the list because I had three. Yeah, just yeah, go for I, it. I was meant to go see Adele two years ago, and it was one of the shows that she cancelled like the day before. She lost her voice. She had like some, I think, hemorrhaging in her vocal cord. In her yeah. vocal cord. So I was, I was so upset. So actually, that is definitely one because I, I literally had paid to see that already. It, isn't, it, isn't she uh, making a new album? I heard that it's in the works. Rumors. But, yeah. Um, I mean, also, like, isn't that like their job? You know, people are like, ooh, is like an artist coming out with a new album? Like, that is no, but like, she, 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 didn't so, like, she say she's like giving up on like. She's stopping music. She's she like, live performances. Have you seen uh, how much weight she lost as well? Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Either way, I mean, weight or no weight, I was going to go see her for her voice. So yeah. I'm concerned. I know I shouldn't be. I don't know her, but I'm concerned about her weight loss, to be honest with you. Nah, let's not comment on other people's weights or bodies. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying because a lot of people were like, oh, she looks unhealthy. Whatever, no, she doesn't. Whatever. Either whether she's healthy or not, none of our business. We don't know her, and we're not in a position to help her. As long as she's happy, that's all that matters. As long isn't as she's she, singing. Uh, isn't she going out with uh, the grime rapper? Um... I think that was just speculation. I don't think he was actually going out with Spectre. Skepta. Skepta, Skepta. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a rumour. That was a rumour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do four now because I can't think of any of my four that I don't want to see. Uh, so Adele, obviously, I'd love to see Adele live. That's one thing that I have on my bucket list. Um, I want to see Ariana Grande live. I think she'd be amazing live to listen to. I should have gone and seen her. Her vocals are insane. So I just, she's just one person I'd like to see sing live. Um, who was the third person? I'd like to see Lauren Hill live, for sure. And the last thing I'd like to see live is Hamilton because I've watched the movie now and I'm like, I really want to see this live. That's I really quite do. Nice. If honestly, if you go, let me know. I'll, I've seen it, but I will go see it again with you. I, I wanted to see it before COVID and it was just kind of all sold out. And then they were like, oh, we've got these bonus tickets. And I was about to book and then they were like, by the way, lockdown. And I was like, <laughs> they always right. say they're selling out. That's like, Basically now it's now it's permanence. It's not. It's gonna be here. Like yeah. when I bought my tickets, they like they came to London for a season, yeah. and they're like, oh, I'm having a second season. So I was like, oh, I have to buy them, and then they've just they've been playing since. We so. caught like this last week of shows, wasn't it? Like, our but tickets. no, that that was by choice. Like that's because I was booking my tickets in January, and I was like, when do we want to go? And my yeah. friend was like, I go to this uni, you go to this uni. We're like, well, we'll both be free at Christmas time, won't we? So we didn't have to book for that time. Yeah. So that's, I think I'd like to see. If you haven't watched it on Disney Plus, it's on Disney Plus now. Esther, we didn't see it with the main cast, though. Like, the OG cast. That, True. that, that I want to do. I want to see it with, like, uh, Lynn uh, and all those guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. is, like, his voice. Which one is <sighs> Just, it, it, Huh? Which one is Leslie Odom Jr.? What what Burr. Burr. Burr? Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's, he's the one that shot. And Anthony. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I've seen like a live version. I've listened to the album. Yeah. So I like that's the one voice for me, which is like when I listen to the album, like oh, it is just so smooth. When he sings "Dear Theodosia," ah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, I like Philip as well. Hello. Sorry. No spoilers. Oh okay. I mean, she's 
She's saying songs that they... Yeah, it's song names. I know someone said that someone got shot. <gasps> oh, right. Okay. I mean, it's a It's, it's history. Yes, in the 1800s, they're all, they're all shooting everyone. It's, it's... <laughs> okay, it's a historical event, but it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's like, <laughs> I don't know which movie it was, but they were like, oh, I think it was the, the, the Malcolm X movie. And someone was like, oh, I can't believe he got killed. And, and someone was like, spoilers. And they were like, <laughs> this happened in real life. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Um, Miata, have you? It's uh, available in uh, the Middle East region, not yet, anyway. Oh, the. Okay. Sorry. Is Disney Plus not available there yet? No. Fun? Is Disney Plus available there yet, or is it just. No, no, that's, that's what I just said. Disney Plus. Oh, I thought you meant that, that, that particular movie, sorry, or particular. No, no, no. Production. Entire service. Miata, have you heard the remixes? Like from. Of, of um, the, the Hamster. Yeah. I've only heard the, the one, uh, which is. Dear Theo Joja, but what's his name? Sings Usher, right? Usher. There's there's yeah. one from Alicia Keys as well. Like that's really good. Yeah, I plan on listening to the remix album because I just want to watch it one more time because I feel yeah. like I didn't really get a chance to take it all in before because I feel like I was trying to pay attention to what was happening where. Yeah. The one thing that really tripped me up is that they had some characters playing two roles. Yeah. So I was a bit like. Uh, where are when we? When you sit on stage, that's less of a thing because, like, you're not so close. You don't. When you see yeah. something in the theater, you don't see their faces. Their faces close up. Yeah, so yeah, actually, yeah. when you're watching in the theater, that does not throw you at all. Yeah, but with because you recognize by voice, not by face. The the close up, you you see it like <laughs> you see it, and it, it really threw me. I was like, wait, are you are you dead? Like, what's going on here? It's, it's <laughs> the it's the Thomas it's the Thomas Jefferson guy, isn't it? The Thomas Jefferson guy and um, the French guy. Yeah, they, they, yeah and, same, and, same people. And, it's all of them. And, and, and the son and what's it called? All of them. No, no. The, the, everyone apart from the... No, no, that one threw me off. Like, that, that one was like... Me. It was very distinct, the change, yeah. And, but, like, it was the same guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, and Philip and what's it called? I forgot his name when he was not Philip. Sorry. So the son, he was also another person. Yeah. Cool. So um, I thought of my three now. So I'd spoken to before. Um, Adele is one. Um, Wimbledon finals. Actually, that's something I've been wanting to see for ages. I'd go to Wimbledon final. I, Who I, do you want to see in the I, men's or women's? Ooh, if it's if it's if it's Serena, women, women's. Of course. If if it's Federer, definitely men. I, it, mm, yeah, I think if it's Serena, hundred percent women's. If it's Otherwise, oh, if it's Serena and third with it, no, I'd still see Serena. Um, otherwise, men's. And then third event would probably be. I really want to see Dear Evan Hansen. I've heard that's insane. So I don't know who that is. It's called a musical called Dear Evan Hansen. It's like the new it musical. It's like the all the rave. Okay. Sam, are you? I mean, Sam, I guess you used to want to go last. Oh, uh, NBA finals. Hey. Uh, Jacob Banks, just because, yeah, I think he's insane. Have though. you not seen him? Twice. Twice. I want to go a third time because he was just that good. I, he has just like a nice vibe, similar to what Esther said, like, he's just got one of those vibes that you just kind of just enjoy the music. Um, and, I'm not, and I've been to quite a few concerts, um, School World Q and, you know, a couple of other ones. And it's like, I have a great time because I'm with good 
friends, but I don't actually enjoy the atmosphere of, you know, the concert itself. And Jacob has been, you know, Jacob, you know, first name basis. Um, Jacob, Jacob Banks has been one of those few people who have gone to his concert um, and he's been good. And he just released um, a new album, so you know, I want to I I see that live. Um, lastly would be J.P. Cooper, also another singer who I just want to, I imagine would be amazing live. I've seen uh, him live. He is amazing live. He, right? Okay, great. Um, I, I remember working at a small little, small little story. I remember working at um, Hyde Park in one of the summer concerts they had. Um, and I was in a bar. it's transcendent to be honest with you it's really beautiful like it you know there are voices that kind of just move through you I imagine it like that oh I'm gonna watch it I'm gonna find and I'm gonna send you a video while I'm there and just going yeah 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 you Oh my God, stop it. Absolutely stop it. Made this weird. One time I called my mum for a loudspeaker. It was me, Yusuf. need to that's weird funny that's funny weird. funny you know funny story to, to look back on um my three would be i, I am wait let me guess right. let me, me guess jay huss and there you go my internet's gone yeah, um, well. yeah that's a good trip um with, who? I would, I would pick... with me i took you <laughs> yeah i just saying and aussie that's what i'm trying to say oh, just oh. And aussie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would actually pick like one of those big like boxing matches, like you know how like Floyd and, and um, Manny Pacquiao had like a massive, and it was a big deal as well. Like I would, I would love to kind of experience that. And again, that's just for the atmosphere. And, like, I, I think, so I think AJ and um, uh, what's it called, uh, Fury is gonna do a match soon. Wait, who? AJ and Fury. AJ. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. You know, I won't talk about my speculations because, but yeah, I, I definitely a match I would love to see. I would what, also, okay, but I have a quick question. What happens when, even even if the atmosphere is good, right? The whole point is the final match, right? What happens if it gets to the final match? And thirty it's just seconds. Like, you know, thirty seconds. You know, are you are you disappointed or are you just happy to be you know there? You know, you know what? I I genuinely would not be able to answer. I don't. No, know. Let, let me let me let me rephrase that question. You go and see Mike Tyson, 
and he knocks the guy out in the first five seconds. How do you feel about that match? Like you've seen okay, this knockout. I'm sorry, but I would be, I would, I would celebrate that for the rest yeah, of my life. Exactly. Like I, I was at that event when Mike Tyson knocked the, you know what I mean? Like that's history, right there. That is history. Is history. So um, yeah, my second would be like um, they sometimes have like football matches, for, like charities, where they bring in like they call they call a team like legends, and it's like some of the world's best football players that have existed. It was like. Um, Zinedine Zidane and like other great players. I would love to like, watch like one of those. Um, and my third would actually be similar to, to I don't know who mentioned it, but it would be um, Adele or Lana Del Rey, one of those two singers. <laughs> Who's laughing? Me. You said you were like the biggest Lana Del Rey fan. Yeah, I, I am, but like it's just still funny that Yusuf uh, would go watch the <laughs> watch her. Finish. She's not great. No, live. No. Wait, wait, so Afka's laughing when Afka is a Lana Del Rey fan? He's a fan! What are you laughing about? I don't know how you know this, Esther. How, how did you find this out? I don't know how you know I feel like you kept it very secret. <laughs> well, does he listen to her on Spotify a lot or something? He must do, because somehow I know that he's a fan. He must have talked about being a fan before. I don't know. I don't know. laughing at me as well. Wow. For real, wow. No, I mean, what's wrong? In, in any case, what is wrong with being a Lana Del Rey fan? Nothing, but if you're gonna laugh at someone else for doing it, that's my point. You found yourself. <laughs> you gotta ask that question to Afka because he's apparently he's embarrassed about being a Lana Del Rey fan. He's even trying to keep it. Safe. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with being a Lana Del Rey fan? Just not a, like very manly thing to do. <laughs> he's even hiding his face now. Look, <laughs> we don't have time for this toxic masculinity, Afka. Please, no. You're literally hiding your face. Shook no, that's because my internet's weak. <laughs> It's because your manhood weak. Okay. Whoa, whoa. Um, wh why is it masculine to not to like Lana Del Rey? I don't understand. What? What's? What? How are the two correlated? I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like, don't I? I don't know. Like, I can't like explain it. It's just one of those things you think it's girly. That's interesting that you should say that. That's it's very strange because. She's just a singer, the same way you'd enjoy any other singer. I don't, I don't see what's feminine or girly about. Like, I mean, there, like, there's definitely like feminine and like feminine singers. Like you, you know that, right? She's a feminine singer, but you enjoying a femme singer doesn't make you femme. No, but like it's something like guys we, make fun of, like. Uh, but the same way, me enjoying rap music doesn't make me mask. Like I like it, but. It but it's not. The, it's not the same music. argument, though. <laughs> like how is it not? Because. It's not like it, it just is like it's just one of those things you guys make fun of. Like, I can't I really think you should try to be part of the group of people that reverse that trend. And so instead of being embarrassed by what you like, be yourself and encourage others to do it. Because otherwise... I mean, embarrassed or not, do you, but like, I, it's still funny. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't think it's, you know what I mean? I, I think it's problematic in ways you do not realize it is that you feel this way. It depends on the person, I think. It, to Yusuf, to Yusuf, like I don't, I don't think it has a major impact because I think he's confident with what he likes and what he believes. But if I think someone isn't, then obviously I'm not going to be like this. Eh? I think it comes down to um, like if I see someone who's not like confident or comfortable in their own skin, then obviously I'm not going to make fun of their choices. But like Yusuf is, so it's okay. I, but I, I think I, that you by with that attitude of like, lol, lol, that's like a, a girly thing to like, 
what you're actually doing is detracting from the talent of like female singers because it's like oh funny like you're talented and all but only like if people like you they're actually just being girly yeah so it's not actually just about what Yusuf likes or what a man likes it's actually about the fact that you're diminishing the accomplishments of talent no, I mean I, I, I like I like her music as well like I'm, I'm not saying anything I'm just making fun of Yusuf no, I know, but I'm saying is that actually, like, the re like I, I think there's, like, a deeper actual consequence societally to those kind of, like, making fun of people for liking things, which, I know, like, I'm not trying to, like, rib you because I know you're not a bad person or whatever, but let the point be made that anyone can like anything, and just because something is more female-oriented does not make you girlier for liking it. Yeah, I agree. I think you could appreciate talent and it not impact who you are as a person no, you know? that's fine i it's, i'm still joking like i'm i don't care what yusuf does yusuf can, yusuf can do yusuf <laughs> yeah no I, I understand and i know you're just ribbing him and you're just bantering him but i think what esther's trying to say and what i agree with is that your bantering and your ribbing has implications and those implications are rooted in misogyny. no i i agree and i think it depends on the person i think i I, I would I would be careful of who I direct. I'm not saying, but what I'm saying is it's not that you should be careful about who you rib. I'm saying is that you should be questioning why you're ribbing this way in the first place. Fair enough, but like, I mean, yeah, fair enough, but like, <laughs> I, 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 just say fair enough, and then that's it. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I I don't. Uh, I'll, I mean, he he can edit it out. No, no, it's, it, I'm just trying to think, like, would I continue this? Like, I'll probably, again, it's depending <laughs> exactly on the person. Like, can't say that. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't mind. Like, I, depending on the person, like, I don't see it as, like, I don't see it as an issue. I think it, it comes okay. down to what the jokes are and then, like, uh, what, who the person is. Like, it, it, it has to be nuanced. You can't just be, like very black and white about these things because then there's okay. no can I just comments. can I say from my perspective you saying I don't see this this as an issue is similar to someone making a comment about race and then me saying that's problematic and them going like oh, oh I don't think that's an issue I'm not saying that they're two exactly the same what I'm saying is when kind of the girl when the women in the conversation both agree on a point and you from male perspective going hmm okay I see what you're saying but I'm not really sure that I care it's kind of that same kind of dismissive tone exactly so like yeah. Okay. Um, um. Yeah. I, look, the thing is, is, is this is a point that I was saying to one of the higher ups at my company as well, which is that a lot of the time, it's the intention is not bad. And we're aware, we know you, you're our friend. Of course, we know your intentions are not bad. Um, but what you don't realize is that there's the subconscious thing that you haven't really thought about or tackled because this is you just lived in it you've you've had this privilege of being male your entire life and you've just never thought about it considered it which is okay but now that we're here let's address it kind of thing do you know what i mean that's fair i mean <clears throat> yeah that's fair i'm just trying to think like what wh where my thing is based from and it's based from the comedy i watch and you know, the I, comedy I, get, I follow Get and I'm also, doing. like, that's not just you, right? I'd say, like, that's something that comment could have easily come out of my own mouth, right, at some point. And, but I'm, like, now trying to make more of a conscious effort to not let that, those kind of comments come out of my own mouth against, even against, you know, being kind of biasing into my own gender. Yeah. I think, but, I think what Africa's trying that, to say is there are no boundaries with comedies, which I, and I get him. Obviously, 
like with you know taking into consideration common sense. But I get Akai just saying that it's a joke, so he doesn't he doesn't look further into it other than it being a joke. And I think that's what. I, 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 am I right, Afka? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's my point. Was yeah, it's it. You have to be careful about like censoring comedy and or like jokes and the people I listen to, like people like Bill Burr and stuff like that. They make jokes like this, and you know their intention is still you know not malicious and. I find that kind of stuff funny and some of my jokes reflect that and that's where I'm saying like if if I knew that Yusuf was going to be hurt by this like I would never say something like this. But I'm, what I'm saying is that actually the person who's being hurt is like female talents being hurt. Yusuf might not be but actually people's perceptions of, of women when all these jokes are constantly being said on the day-to-day -day basis by millions of people around the world that's actually who's being hurt. So there is a a more subtle and underlying impact and victim of this kind of comedic discourse, if you will. And so kind of, I know that's like the line of like what's acceptable in comedy is maybe not as obvious as it is, but I think my general view is don't make fun of a problem you've like, you've never had to experience. And in this case, it's not even a problem that you've had to experience, but if you are making comedy that is tearing down a minority that you do not belong to, maybe it's not your place. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. I yeah. think I'll, I'll need to give it thought, but like. Yeah, I um, think I agree with all the points that Esther made, but what I I, I agree, also agree with like, you're right. Comedy d tends to have less or more blurred lines, if, if you will, and that's that's definitely a thing, and I get that. But also, I think like like Esther said, it. it you're making jokes at the expense of people, and I don't think these people have agreed to that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's it's weird. It's a weird one. Like you don't want to censor yourself, but you don't want to tell people to censor themselves because freedom of speech is a thing, and you should be allowed to express yourself in the ways that you want to. But just sometimes take a moment and think about what the true implications of what you're saying are. Like, yeah. as in, what is it rooted in? So if you extend if you extend what you what you're saying past the joke and you see what the true implications of what you're saying are or where it has kind of come from or who else may be impacted from what you, you say is essentially what Miada and Esther are saying. That, that's fair. I'm just saying it's not black and white. So I'm saying saying this to Yusuf or like a friend, like a close friend, is different to me being in a meeting and making fun of women or making calling something girly where there is significant impact, whereas I feel like this is a joke and this doesn't have an impact at this point. That's, you know that's, that's the only point what, I'm making. What, what I would say is if- Because I understand what you're saying and I understand the nuance. I'm not saying this is how I speak to everyone and this is how I speak, or this like thought of thought process how you speak publicly, defines, defines my um, decision for, for making processes. But you know what I mean? Like, do, do you understand like what I'm saying as well? Like, I'm just saying it's not, like I understand, like okay, there might be consequences for female artists, but it depends on at which point where I'm saying it or like who I'm like where I'm making these jokes kind of thing. No, I hear you. I hear you. I think also, um, like like you said, if you if you're making the joke privately, i.e., if you're planning on perhaps editing that part out or whatever, which I'm not sure whether you. I I don't, I don't think like. I don't mind if Yusuf, again, it's up to Yusuf. 
but I'm saying to you, as in you, you're talking on a public platform here. So if it was a private joke between you and Yusuf, I think that would kind of infer something else. But it, it's a public joke, and you made it in front of three women. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm not. Like, again, I I know your intentions are pure. I know that that wasn't your your intention was not to offend or to take away from the talent of these women. As Esther pointed out, you're also a fan of Lana Del Rey, so clearly you see that she's. A I mean, I've also people. been. Like that's been told to me by girls as well. Like, so yeah, yeah. Like I said, so it probably could have come out of my mouth as well. And I'm just yeah. trying to like women I'm, are always capable of internalizing misogyny. Because I, 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 I messaged my friends like, let's go watch her, and then she was like, oh, that's a bit girly. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah, yeah. No, yeah. This is not something that you're like you are doing wrong. This is something that like easily again I could have said in the past, but I just think in instances where I've, I've now recognized this kind of thing, I'm like, actually, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and stop myself from saying that. I'm going to try and, st- and if I hear someone else, I will also. I'm that's not trying fair. to grill you or anything. No, that's fair. Um, I just think it's like, and it, it's, I know that you're not trying to hurt anyone, Yusuf, or kind of the artist, but I think it's just worth, when we have these kind of commentaries, think why are we actually saying it and then what, what are we perpetuating mm-hmm. and how can we stop perpetuating it? And I think, yeah, because you're our friend, it's important for us to address it with you. So, exactly. Like, if I don't feel comfortable saying it with you, no, no, then how am I like, uh, comfortable bringing it up in my workplace type of thing? So, like, uh, I, I genuinely believe that in, in, in cases like this, it's, we have to start at home. So, yeah. like, even in our own houses, because let's face it, even in our own houses, there have been perhaps race issues or whatever. We have to start addressing these things to, with the people that are closest to us first before we start evangelizing our, our, our activism. That's fair. I mean, I, I like. I think I didn't see it as misogyny. I saw it as more of because I I was looking at the perspective of intention, and it's more of just making fun of someone close yeah. to me. So I, like, it's fair enough. Like, I understand what you mean about like it's inadvertently affecting potential artists, like female artists, and kind of pigeonholing them into a type of music they make, and obviously affecting their revenue. So yeah. <clears throat> fair enough. But I, I, yeah, obviously, like, on the scale of things, on the scale of misogyny to, like, you know, this is nuts, it's, it's, not, it's not that bad. Obviously, like you said, it's just a joke you had between your mates and you. But as in, it, start, it always starts small. It always yeah. is a small thing. I mean, it, it was... And I think it's more, than, more than it being, like, wrong or right, it's more like, wow, like, actually, like, I've said this type of thing, not about Lana Del Rey, but, like, this type of thing probably like I've probably done the same as you right I've mocked someone for like being the boy like a boy for being liking something that was girly and like now I'm like shit like I actually I've I I I drank the Kool-Aid right like I've I've believed the lies that were fed to me kind of my life and I'm like actually not gonna do that anymore but but I think my point what that I made earlier still stands is people don't do that with male artists People yeah. don't yeah. see me go, I love rap and go, well, that's quite that's good, yeah. They just, they just go, oh, you love rap, that's great, you know? Same <laughs> you know with, like, I'm... movies. Like, if a movie has an entirely male cast, it's a movie. If a movie has an entirely female cast, it's a chick flick. Yeah, that's true. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I was, there's this um, famous essay by Virginia Woolf in which she kind of talks about how the reason why there weren't any prolific female writers until the 20th century was because they just didn't have a one the money or a room like until the 20th century there was no room where women could sit by herself and write like a household didn't have that um and one point she makes she's like how um 
how much would literature be robbed if we had no conversation between men in trenches, between, you know, men talking about their, their struggles in their families, between um, men, you know, talking about conflict in the workplace. Like that, but that didn't exist in literature about women. Like those conversations just aren't there. And in film today, like they're just not there. So you think about how, how much we're missing, like we're literally missing half the stories. And that's just kind of on the gender front. If you start to think about like, minorities both ethnic but in terms of like you know the disabled etc like think about how many stories just aren't being like told and shown is actually crazy yeah cool you said did you get to finish your three so that lana was your third <laughs> we straight so far i'm tired of this conversation <laughs> i mean if, if, it needs, if it needs to be said i think it needs to be said like fair yeah. enough I, I understand where like, I don't mind being wrong, like, especially with this, because, like, I definitely have maybe a more heightened, like, mindset in terms of, like, the ma on the masculine side, because that's, I, you know, I grew up around sports, I grew up around this, so this is how it is. So mm -hmm. I've tried to stray away, but obviously there's still, you know, there's things there. I feel like, I you've, like you've taken criticism very well considering you were just on a podcast making a joke with your friend and then yeah, I just jumped exactly. on like it. So it was like, I appreciate you for that. For taking it, well. it wasn't something, uh, you know, I'd given so much thought to that like I was planning on telling this to Yusuf as soon as he brought it up kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I'll probably pay more attention to that kind of, that kind of joke in the future. Um, I do still believe in the, like because some of the comedians I follow have taken up this argument that, you know, sometimes if it's a good joke and it, you know, offends some people, like, do you say it or not? And they've had this argument and like, I tend to fall in the line of, if it's a joke, like you need to evaluate the intention and it's like, it does offend people, but at the same time, it's to get laughs and and then, I, and then uh, this is kind of the first time I've heard like the argument that it still affects the bottom line for, you know, women on uh, the artists and stuff like that, which I think I need to give some thought to, but I was mm -hmm. always on the side that it, it's the intention that matters. And it's very easy to pick up the intention on like the person, like if I, I was saying it, if I was saying it maliciously, like you would be able you you'd know wouldn't yeah, you yeah yeah but I, I think i disagree with you in terms of it's the intention that matters i think it's the impact that matters you may not intend to hurt me but if you've hurt me you've hurt me and like as a as a joke i don't think i care like in in the sense Wait, of, you're saying you would still be hurt even if you knew initially that the intention is going to be let's be clear yeah if for example yeah you made a joke and really you thought was hilarious and insidious one that impacted my career yeah i i understand this is this is a bit of an extreme example but it impacted my career to the point where actually i'm genuinely losing money now because you've made a joke about how my music is shit or something and it becomes embarrassing for me to, to, for people to listen to me. It doesn't matter whether your intentions were pure or not. You've ruined me. <laughs> like, what, the, what? Your intentions mean nothing. The impact that you've made—that's what means something. Okay, but that but that exaggerate. Like, like. No, it was an extreme know, example to prove a point. It's a it's a hyper it's a hyperbole to prove a point. Is that impact is what matters, not not intentions. 
and even in Afghar's case where you know in the past people have like he was like you said you wanted to go to a concert and people have been like girls have been like oh that's girly that may have made you less likely to go to the concert that's actual like money that could have been lost I don't think huh? that was. A girl. I think that I think the girl was was, was the girl joking with you. I've Did she just genuinely mean it? I think maybe the girl. Gen, I think the girl genuinely meant she, it. She did. What I'm saying is like, whether I, she was genuine or not is irrelevant. If it makes if if the impact is that someone doesn't go to a concert because of it. No, but that's not what I asked. I asked. I asked. Would you still be affected if you knew in, it was intention? Like the, you knew the intention was just a joke. In what I'm saying is Lana Del Rey doesn't know us anyways, but yeah, if she's losing exactly. the concert goer because people laugh, because people think it's girly, you know, to go to a concert, she's being impacted. Whether it's a joke or not, whether it's intention is bad or not. That's fair. She's actually, that's like, what I'm asking, that's what I'm asking, I'm asking if, you, like, you, if you knew that's something, it. someone said something and said, I'm intentionally telling you this, it is a joke, and they tell you it. Yes, if the, if the impact is not high, then no, I wouldn't take offense that's to the it. Thing, though. How, how can you get impacted if you know it's a joke? And I'm asking to oh, you. Oh, I understand your question. Oh, no, I get what you're saying. Yes, I'd still be hurt. Because if someone says something with the kindness of intentions, but the words hurt me, their intention, if anything, is even more heartbreaking. I'm like, wow, you really don't know me. Do you know you how think- many people would have said, oh, you're pretty for a black girl with the purest of intentions? Yeah, yeah. With the purest of intentions, genuinely, <laughs> as yeah, as a compliment, that still hurt my feelings, and it's still wrong. <laughs> you can't tell me Whoa, that it's no just one, because the intentions no are wrong. Right or wrong. That's not even that doesn't even. Yeah. No, but that's my point is that your your intentions don't matter. Your impact does. Okay, but that 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 I'm I, you know I I meant it from a perspective where the guy isn't racist. No, but different though. Can we kind of? Can, I think I know where Yusuf's coming from. Like when Yusuf makes fun of me, <laughs> when Yusuf makes fun of me, like it might, it might hurt me. It might hurt me at the no, same no. time, but like it's okay. Like I don't like it might like it might offend me or hurt me, but at the same time, like I wouldn't be averse. I wouldn't be like don't say that joke again. Like I don't know. It might just be like a mindset that I'd probably hang out with you less. Yeah. If you, I, I, if, you, if you made jokes that consistently hurt my feelings, I've told you now, listen, it's a bit much. And you still kept on doing okay, it. Okay, if, if you told them, like, it I wouldn't... It okay. impact my, my... How I feel towards you. Yeah. Also, impact is not necessarily, like, monetary or, like, prospects. To me, yeah, if you didn't if you hurt my feelings, that is an impact in my eyes. So when I say, like, it has a negative impact, hurting my feelings, to me, is negative impact. Okay. I, I, look, when I meant joke, I you know what Miata said. I didn't think that was a joke though. I don't. I, exactly. I, I've got a good example that's a bit more trivial. I met okay. up with some friends um, who like some old school friends who I kind of don't see very much. I went to a friend's birthday party, and one of the girls I said, "Oh, like, oh, it's so nice to see you." Yeah, like we don't see each other very much. And then one of the other one went like, "Oh yeah, you're a bit of a recluse." That hurt me, and I know she didn't mean it in a bad way, because to some extent it's true. Like I don't see them very much. I don't reach out to them that much to hang out. But it, it hurt me, and she didn't mean it with any. She had yeah. the purest of intentions, and I didn't lash out at her because I didn't want to like make her yeah. feel bad for something that she was her impression. But it didn't. It still hurt, right? So the impact, regardless of intention, even though I know she's a good person, she's my friend, I love her. It still kind of hurt that she felt that way about me. So, how did it hurt in the sense that you felt like you you were about like how did it hurt? Like in what like in what sense did you feel like you know what I'm hurt because I if, do you get what I'm saying when I ask how are you hurt like with Miyada's one for example I can see where it hurt because it was a, a race with that it's like it's almost like 
how like how do you get help when they're kind of and what recluse means is you're kind of you keep to yourself yeah like what do, you, what do you yeah want, in the like, sense of how in the sense of like do you want her not to say that like is that like is that the takeaway like if it's it's not hurtful because she said it, it's hurtful because she thinks it, right? Okay. It's not it's not the fact that she said so. It's, it's the, I'm not hurt because she vocalized that thought. I'm I'm hurt from like, oh wow, this is how you view me. Okay. Um I didn't realise that's the bit. I th- I yeah. think the I think the the overall takeaway from this is obviously uh be more intentional with your words. Just like obviously don't censor yourself because that's long but every time you say something that may be a bit sideways deep it think about it the thing is is the more you think about it the less you'll probably do it anyway like as in you'll you'll probably start thinking about it before you even say it and go actually that doesn't really sound right in my head so you don't you don't have to censor yourself you don't have to actively stop yourself every single time chances are just by having this conversation and thinking about it you probably stop doing it naturally. And I think another takeaway is like, be open to criticism. Cause I feel like Afghar, you've been like in this conversation, you were really open and you took criticism. Like you took, you, you let us say our piece and you listened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like objectively what I said was obviously wrong, but like, I think, yeah, I think it, it was- like, 10 minutes ago, you didn't think that, right? Like I, I just like, I, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely like, yeah. I would not, yeah, I would think that's wrong in certain settings, but like, I, I didn't realize, I didn't give thought to like uh, the financial implications, you know, I think that, that point makes sense to me. Okay. Okay. Well, little by little. <laughs> Anyways, um, should wrap this up. Uh, no. <laughs> Let's please. I, I was meant to leave the house ages ago, to be honest with you. All right. Thank you for listening. This was Consultants Without Borders and saying goodbye is Dima, Miada, Esther, Yusuf and Sam who has already left and me, Afghar.